you a couple of minutes, just talk to the person next to you or maybe say hi to someone you don't know and uh, talk about the Royal Wedding. So did you watch it or did you watch the Saints versus the Collingwood uh, Magpies last night or the, or the Storm? Um, did you like the dress? Was it, was it appropriate? And also, should, have, should Harry have actually shaved his beard last night? So I'll give you two minutes to have a chat about that. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to have to I'm going to have to wrap it up at this point. Thank, thanks very much. Okay, good. Good conversation. What what was the verdict? Was it the dress was okay? The beard was okay or the beard should have gone? I think the beard should have gone. That's my uh, personal opinion. Anyway, this morning we're going to talk about work. Sometimes it's really easy to complain about our own job, but to help us really appreciate our own work, let's look at some of the world's worst jobs imaginable and let's see if you agree. So here's a a poor guy who's holding a sign uh, for target practice in the Taiwanese army. Some uh, computer programmers, uh, some are in Japan. This lady's uh, got a particularly tough job, even worse job from this guy. Remember, you do not want to have this job, so feel good about your own job. Cleaning out the alligator's teeth. And some, some OH&S issues right there. And someone's left all the dishes. Looks exactly like our place every single night. Anyway, I'm pretty glad that I don't have any of these jobs. But many of us can relate to this picture of work. Sometimes we feel like we're being dumped on from above. And for many of us, that sort of job satisfaction or that sort of engagement can be pretty low. And we might be struggling to see how we can be spiritual from Monday to Friday from 9 to 5 at work. But you know that we spend about half of our life at work, and that's, that's heaps of time, but we don't really hear that much about work at church until now, until this series that we've been doing. But I believe that our perspective on work and our work situation can change dramatically if we had that right mindset or that right way of thinking. And that's why the title of this series is Working It Out. So in week one, we talked about a line, and a line was all about finding that sweet spot right in the middle between our competency or how how skilled we are, our values and also God. We talked about shine 
And that's about our ethics, our behaviour, being different, being countercultural or trying to shape our work environment um, and being God's light. But also the last one is around shape and that's about being the thermostat. Um, so changing our culture and our behaviour and the behaviours of others at work. So it's been really good. And over the last four weeks, so many people have come up here on the stage and have been interviewed, they've been in the hot seat um, and they've shared their, their challenges that have been real and personal to them and I think um, people up here have been pretty uh, vulnerable and honest, which has been fantastic. But some of us here this morning aren't in paid jobs. So there might be mums and dads at home, students, retirees. But hopefully you too this morning will also see the relevance of this morning's message to your situation. So this morning I'd like to look at some of the big questions that relate to work. What should an employee who's a Christian do differently compared to a non-Christian employee? And if you're new here this morning or you don't, you're not a follower of Jesus yet, that's great. But we're really uh, happy that you've come along this morning and hopefully you can learn something as well too. But what sets us apart as a follower of Jesus? What's God's perspective on work? So this morning we're going to look at that, this little gem of a passage. It's an absolute ripper and it's tucked away in Colossians. And it's already been referenced uh, in this series, but it's been particularly helpful to me. And it's probably uh, my life verse. And um, it's really guided me over the years. So let's read Colossians 3, verse 22. So it should be on your screen now. And it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So what should a Christian employee do differently compared to a non-Christian employee? Well, let's get into the verse now. So the first part of the verse is around slaves or servants, which is really another word for employee. And actually in olden times, they actually owned, or the masters actually owned the slaves. But the masters is the boss or the supervisor or the employer. And this is a picture here from the office. So this is the world's best boss um, that we need to think about. And uh, if you haven't, has anyone here seen The Office? Does anyone like The Office? Absolutely fantastic. Another really good series to, to get into. It's on stand if you need to watch it. But of all the things, of all of the things that Paul could say, Paul's the guy who wrote this letter, of all the things that he could say to a Christian employee, he says, obey the boss. That's the single most thing that we can do. It's obey at work. But to obey isn't really in vogue today. It really goes against the grain. It's unpopular. It's not very PC. And for me, it all boils down to pride. Don't you tell me what to do. I hate that. But Paul says that our number one responsibility at work is to obey. What does it mean to obey? Well, it means to fully submit to our boss's will or his direction. But it's even more than that. It means fully submitting without arguing, without grumbling, without disputing or without deceiving our boss. It means obeying without going off and complaining to other people. Did you hear what my boss wants me to do? Did you hear that things that she maybe changed this report eight times before it was okay? My boss is so unfair. What a shocker. The one thing that I personally hate the most is when uh, the direction changes. So I put in all this time and effort and I put all this work into some kind of proposal 
And then the boss says, actually, Cam, we've decided to go in a new direction. We've decided to, as Phil would say, change the narrative or we'll take that offline or, you know, we'll do some of that kind of stuff. That, that really annoys me when you put all that work in. So the key point is that of all of the things that Paul says that we should do as a Christian employee or a follower of Jesus, he says, to obey our earthly masters or our boss. But let's look at this concept or this, this part in the verse called earthly masters. Servants, obey your earthly masters. And a very interesting fact, the word for masters is the same Greek word in the original text as the word for Lord, which is kyrios. So it says, slaves or servants, obey your earthly kyrios in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the kyrios. It's the same Greek word in the original text. You are my Lord underneath the Lord. Therefore, our earthly boss is also our Lord. So actually we have two bosses, which is pretty scary. Why? Because God sets up all these authority structures on earth and he wants us to obey our earthly master. So here's a really tough question for us. How much should an employee who's a follower of Jesus obey? How much should we obey? But you might say, Cam, you don't know my boss. It's really, really difficult. But the verse actually says, slaves or employees, obey your earthly masters in everything in everything, which is 100%. And the word there in the Greek is this word called ponta, and it means according to everything, under all conditions. But there are some exceptions. Yes, if our earthly master tells us to do something immoral or if he tells us to do he or she tells us to do something illegal. So it's breaking the law of God or breaking the law of man. So, for example, our boss might ask us to lie on a proposal in order to get a sale. We might be asked to commit a fraud using our corporate credit card for a personal expense. But more seriously though, what if our boss is systematically bullying us or if he's causing us psychological harm or some kind of physical harm? It could be that we can't get to sleep at night and we're getting an ulcer because of the stress that our boss is putting us under. Well, this is the kind of situation where we need to go to a union rep or we might need to get a legal firm involved, or even the police. And this kind of serious situation requires major intervention and drastic action. And it is an exception where we don't have to obey the boss, and we, but we do need to seek out some serious support and advice. And I know, and, and I think we all know, that there's some people here at NCR in our own community who have been appallingly treated by their boss and by their company. And a good mate of mine is here this morning and he, after 24 years of loyal and faithful service to his company, um, he was made retrenched after a period of time. You know, no, no, no uh, forewarning, no advance notice, nothing like that, just totally out of the blue, take your stuff and um, all the best. So this can cause some really deep scars and some really deep pain and it's totally unfair and it can have a serious impact on our life and on our well-being and also the lives of those around us, including our family. And this requires a deeper conversation, and we can't possibly do justice to, to this this morning, but I know that God will provide and God will heal. However, for the majority of us, these aren't really the issues that most of us are struggling with on a day-to-day -day basis. For me, the kind of thing that I really struggle with, with is when the boss says to um, ask me to do something, but I just plainly don't, don't want to do it. But the key point is we must obey the boss in everything, however distasteful, 
difficult or mind-numbing. And it's moments like these when we've been asked to mop the floor or to go and get the coffees or to dig another hole or to make those 500 photocopiers again that our attitude is really tested, put under the microscope. And just remember that moments like these are an opportunity for our best testimony. And we've talked before in previous weeks about shine. It's an opportunity to shine and to demonstrate what a follower of Jesus is like in the real world. Personally, I used to think that the highest possible calling that a follower of Jesus could have would be to be a pastor or a senior pastor or a youth worker. And that I would maybe one day I'd give up my life and I'd go to deep dark Africa and I'd live in a bark hut and I'd have no TV and I'd learn the language and I'd translate that into the Bible. And I used to think that was the absolute pinnacle of Christian service to God. But actually, my mind has totally been changed. And I believe that my calling as a follower of Jesus is to the place where I work right now. And it's definitely in my sweet spot. Um, And I I have the opportunity to care for people and to be an ambassador for Jesus in the workplace. So I'm lucky enough to work for a a really good company, a multinational uh, car company, and I look after our corporate services function in, uh, at, at, at that company and that sort of involves our legal department and our um, risk department strategy, um, our company fleet, our business planning, all that kind of stuff, lots of, lots of interesting things and I'm really lucky to be involved in um, autonomous driving. So autonomous driving is where you get in the car and you press the button and it just drives you all the way um, directly to where you need to go and also artificial in- intelligence. It's, it's going to be a little bit scary but it's actually really exciting to be involved in. There's heaps of sort of different legislation and heaps of stuff that can go uh, wrong if you're not careful obviously with autonomous driving. So in the future you'll be able to get your smartphone, you walk up to the car, you, you scan the car, you get into the car, it takes the money out of your cheque or your cheques aren't around anymore, it takes your money out of your account uh, on the blockchain or using Bitcoin and it pays your insurance bill for you, it pays the tolls, it knows if you're going too fast or you're going down a tram lane and it takes the money out of your account for a fine or a toll or whatever, it's going to be an unbelievably scary new world out there. But that's the kind of stuff that we're working on right now at our uh, multinational Japanese car company. But it's really, really, really important for us to invite people to church and expose them to Jesus. But actually... We're already, we are already out there and we're already in the world. We're already in the marketplace and we can expose people to Jesus every day. Having a job and working is a spiritual thing. It might not feel like it, but it is a spiritual thing. Do you know that Jesus was a carpenter? Paul, the author of this passage, was a tent maker. Daniel, who we heard about a few weeks ago, was a governor of a house and then he became governor over all of Egypt. The disciples were fishermen and tax collectors and doctors and um, not all of the characters who are in the Bible were priests or were ministers. Anyway, let's get back to the passage. So in the next section, it talks about two negatives followed by two positives. So servants obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Two negatives, not only when their eye is on you and just to win their favour, but in comparison to these two things, there are two positives. Do it with sincerity of heart and with reverence for the Lord. So let's look at this thing, obey, not only when their eyes on you. So Phil did a great job explaining that. But this is the, this is the two words in the original Greek text. And it, and it talks about I, which literally means the I, and also service, which is um, doulas or slave, which is the same word uh, for slave at the start of the verse. So it literally means slaves 
Obey your earthly masters in everything, not as a slave or a servant to their eye. So whose eye am I not to serve? Well, I'm not to, not to the, the eye that my earthly master, the eye is not to serve them. So what does it mean? It means serving the eye means only working when the boss is actually watching. It means only working when the boss is actually watching. And we heard some, a great example of that this morning. So when she turns her back, we slack off again. But Christian employees, we should work hard all day, whether our boss is there or not. So how do we know when we're being a slave to our boss's eye? Well, when the boss is looking, we pretend to be super extra busy. We look important, we shuffle those papers or we typing extra furiously or digging that hole extra quickly. So some examples of when the boss isn't looking... We might spend hours online surfing the net. We might be doing personal emails. We might be deliberating endlessly on footy tips or on Supercoach. I know that that can be pretty addictive for some. We can also make long phone calls to friends, take long lunches, take four-hour coffee breaks and have cigarette breaks. But these kind of things are, frankly, they're actually ripping off our boss because we're serving the eye of our boss. And personally, I know stories of employees who have taken that thing called eye service to a whole new level. They go slow during normal work time. They go at this sort of glacial pace. And then they work back late and they claim overtime at double time. So they masquerade as loyal and hardworking employees. So let's not beat around the bush here. This is actually stealing from our company. And there's no excuse for going slow during the day and then claiming dodgy overtime. Our boss is actually paying us for an honest day's work. And you know what? I'll say this uh, frankly. Some of us some of us might actually owe our company some money for that. Why? Because we're serving the eye of our boss and we're pretending to obey the boss. But the real Christian worker that followed Jesus, we put in an honest and a full day's work and we've got a clear conscience between um, our earthly boss but also our heavenly boss, which is God. So we've already heard from the ultimate guru this morning of George Costanza and the other ultimate guru. Sorry about stealing the IP there, Phil, from your LinkedIn page. But George and Phil made looking busy but not actually doing any work into a veritable art form. And I think, Phil, you too could have a TV show that, that is a lot of stuff about actually doing nothing. But, you know, George talked about four things and so did Phil this morning, so we might pull those up on the screen. Four things. Uh, never walk around with documents, or sorry, walk without documents in your hands. Um, create a messy desk. Know when to leave the office late and the two jacket tricks. So there are more tricks. If you, you know, Phil gave you four this morning. There's hundreds you can choose from and here's another four that you can choose from. The, the two jacket trick is actually my personal favourite um, because you always leave a spare jacket over the back of the chair Um, in your office so that it gives the impression that you're still there somewhere around late at night working hard you're in a different department somewhere else and um, it gives the impression that you're working hard but actually you're just being a devious weasel like George and Phil. (laughs) So we've had some good tips about eye service and trying to win the boss's favour but let's go back to our verse. Servants obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes on you and to win their favour But the next part of the verse talks about sincerity of heart. Sincerity of heart. So how are we to obey our earthly master or that earthly kyrios with sincerity of heart 
or with integrity. Integrity means no matter what the circumstances, we are the same. No matter what the circumstances, we're the same. We are one. We are the same person when this person's present and we're the same person when that person is present. We treat the cleaner with the same level of respect that we, and friendliness that we do as the general manager. We behave the same as we do here on a Sunday morning at NCR as we do on Monday morning at work. Lack of integrity means that I'm lacking oneness or completeness and I'm only this way when the boss is around but when the boss is not here, you should see what I actually have to say. Sincerity of heart also has that concept of simplicity and we don't have to overcomplicate things or overanalyse things. We don't need to confuse the issue or debate it in our head. Why is that? Because it shows reverence for the Lord. That's the way that we can show reverence and worship for the Lord. We can practically demonstrate that and we can shine for the Lord every day in the workplace. The next part of the verse, by the way, pretty amazing passage, isn't it, when you really get into it. And whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. This word heart in the Greek has the concept that includes our soul, but also our mind. So, for example, when my boss tells me to do something, uh, I might do it begrudgingly, but deep inside, I'm full of actual resentment and rebellion. I'll mutter under my breath or complain to someone else. That's not working with all our soul. That's not working with all our mind. In obeying the boss, we should give all of our heart, soul and mind. Our boss ought to love us working for them because we're enthusiastic, we're passionate and we're motivated. A Christian employee should have the kind of work ethic that actually makes our peers and our colleagues sit up and take notice. So how about this for an example? What about if I ask Troy, and I'm debating whether to do this or not later, but if I ask Troy to call up your boss right now or on Monday morning, so Troy, call up, you, you can choose someone, maybe you should do this on Monday morning, don't call my boss, but call someone else's boss, <laughs> ring him up on Monday morning and say, of all of your employees there at, at your work, how does Cam or how does um, Steve or how did Andrew or Phil, how do, how do they actually measure up? How hard do they work? What kind of attitude do they have? Does he try or does she try? How competent is she? When you give them a tough or a boring job, how do they respond? Do you feel that they criticise you behind your back? Do they do personal things on company time? What's the quality of their work like? Are they, is it excellent or is it sort of pretty shoddy? Wouldn't it be absolutely brilliant if your boss said to Troy, Troy, you know what, I wish I had another 10 Steves. He's hardworking, he's reliable, he's honest, he's trustworthy, he goes above and beyond, he really cares about people. What are you guys doing over there at NCR? I thank God for you guys for sending me Steve or Phil or whoever it is. Praise the Lord for you guys there. I think that you should actually make a few, uh, Troy's making a note there, in fact maybe he's dialing someone's number as we speak. But the key point is we need to work at it with all our heart, our mind and our soul. We can work as though we're an apprentice in Jesus' carpentry shop. It's easy to overlook the fact that Jesus actually spent about 15 years practising as a village carpenter in Nazareth. What sort of attitude do we think Jesus might have had toward his customers? 
Could you ever imagine Jesus ripping off his clients? How do you think he worked when his father wasn't there to supervise? Did he slack off, work on a couple of sermons? Did he go fishing with his disciples? I don't think so. What kind of work do you think that Jesus turned out? Did he cut corners? Did he use dodgy materials? Did he build a few three-legged tables? Did he complain when his father's asked him to perform a difficult, boring job? I don't think so. I think we can assume that Jesus, as the son of God, was the model employee, absolutely perfect in every way. He would have had a great attitude. He would have worked with enthusiasm and motivation to please both his earthly boss, his father, but also his heavenly boss, his heavenly father. So we can work as though we're an apprentice in Jesus' carpentry shop. And one of the guys at, at my work, um, he, his name was James, don't look him up, but he, he used to come to work and he used to wear his leather jacket with God Squad on the back and he'd go and you know, hand out sort of little Bibles for people and things like that. But this guy wasn't actually a really good shining example of being a follower of Jesus in the workplace. And unfortunately, his work was terrible. <laughs> he'd give out wrong information and wrong specifications to our dealers and wrong pricing. And uh, he was a little bit of a joke in the office. And I guess that's really not what we're talking about this morning. We need to be excellent in what we do and we need to be a shining example in the workplace. So we could work as though working for the Lord and not for men. We do need to work for our human boss, but we can regard it as though we're actually working for our heavenly boss. And for me personally, this is um, tremendously freeing to have that kind of um, situation, especially when our boss or our work is less than ideal. God knows about that. And it's he who sees when we're being faithful. And it's he who notices when we're going that extra mile. Now, if you're a mum and a dad who work from home and and are stay-at-home mum or dad, can I get you to put your hands up for a sec? Because you might feel you might feel that actually no one notices what you're doing. But you are also working for the Lord. It's a really spiritual and a, and a precious thing that you do. You have a really important job. And I remember Kylie talked um, up here, she was in the hot seat a few weeks ago and she was fantastic. She said that, you know, there's a fair bit of chaos. In fact, it was 99% chaos, but there were those precious moments of being a stay-at-home mum that she found wonderful. So look at, look at what our stay-at-home mums and dads do. They're housekeepers, they're nurses, they're teachers, journalists, party planners, hostesses, stylists, personal shoppers, spiritual advisors, psychiatrists. We do a lot of psychiatry in our place, don't we, Carolyn? Um, taxi drivers also do a fair bit of that. Uh, photographers, secretaries and chefs. Lots and lots of, lots and lots of things. So I just want to um, say that it's God who watches over your care of your little ones and he holds your job in high regard. Never forget that. And you might be a dishwasher. There'd be the best possible washer of dishes that you can be. You might be a student then be the best possible student that you can be. And the same applies to whether you're flipping burgers at the Scottish takeaway restaurant or whether you're a Supreme Court judge. Be excellent at what you do. Our work ethic, our attitude, our conduct can set us apart as a follower of Jesus. Remember that we are to do everything as though working for the Lord and not for men. And he will judge and he will reward our work. The next part of the verse 
says that since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So each month, our boss will pay us cash and maybe some other things. But if we obey, we can know, according to the verse, that we will receive an inheritance from the boss as a reward. God will reward us for what we do at work. This might be hard for some of us to believe. You know, we're pretty happy with our paycheck. But we can, especially if we're in a job that we hate like this bloke. But payday is when I stand before the judgment seat of God. And that's a pretty full-on concept. um, Payday is when I stand in front of the judgment seat of God. So next time we're tempted to take that sickie or we can't be bothered to do do any work during the day or we're tempted to take a four-hour coffee break or, you know, do our best lunchtime impersonation of the boss, just remember that God has said, no, that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So in closing this morning, let's, let's wrap it up. If we were to summarise what a Christian employee should do, a follower of Jesus, he or she should obey. This is the will of God, no matter what we do, full-time, part-time, paid, volunteer, whatever, stay-at-home mum or dad, student, work for yourself. How much should we obey? Well, we should obey in everything, in all ways, except for those uh, things that I mentioned before, those exceptions about whether that person's asking us to um, disobey the, the laws of man or the laws of God, or that's that really serious, nasty situation with your boss. God says, if we obey our earthly boss, he will also pay us, and we will have an opportunity to work for our heavenly boss. And if we work for the Lord, guess how many paychecks we're going to get? If we work for our boss and our earthly and our heavenly boss, we're going to receive two paychecks, one from earthly boss and one from our heavenly boss, one now and one later. But the trouble is many of us go to work with absolutely no thought of our of, of God and we grit our teeth we grit our teeth and we um, we obey only because we have to. And if we go to work with no thought of God whatsoever, will he pay us? Well, no, no, he won't pay us, but because we didn't work for him, we have to work for two bosses. So the reward from God with that kind of work ethic will be absolutely staggering. But sadly, I'm convinced that many of us will only collect one salary because we go to work on Monday morning, having left all thoughts of God behind on Sunday morning at church. So the question for us this morning is, did we earn treasure from the Lord last week? Did we earn treasure from the Lord last week? But be encouraged because from now on we can. We know this stuff. Our earthly boss might not be aware of all of the kind of things we're talking about this morning, but our heavenly boss is, and he will make an assessment on the magnitude of our heavenly super payout. We have the chance to reverse our attitude at work. We can obey our boss with all our heart, all our mind and all our soul, with reverence for the Lord. So just to wrap it up now, here's some serious challenges for us. Let's never again be involved in a conversation criticising the boss. I know that's a big ask, particularly for me as well. Let's be excellent as though working for the Lord. Don't do shoddy work, rip me off, tell me you're a Christian, then invite me along to church. That's not really shining. Let's strive to be honest, industrious, friendly and punctual. Let's do our best. Let's put our heart, our mind and our soul 
into obeying our boss. And when we think about all this, Christians and followers of Jesus ought to be the most excellent, hard-working, ethical and trustworthy employees any boss could ever want. And that's how we could be spiritual, nine to five, Monday to Friday.